Amen. Father, I thank you tonight that, that your word is true. I thank you tonight, Father, that, that as we sit in your presence, Lord, that you speak. That as we sit seeking you, that we find you. That as we sit, Lord, hearing your word, not what I say, Lord, but what your word says, what your Holy Spirit saying. Father, I thank you that that's what they hear. That the meditations, Lord, of my heart and the words on my lips give praise and glory to you. That they're pleasing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Tonight I felt to talk on We Love Because He First Loved Us. And it's titled, He Loved Me First. He loved us first. And when he came, it was, it was to come so that we could have a relationship with him. That, that, that thing that he wanted when he created Adam, he wanted that back. And one of the first things that he talked about, we're going to talk about tonight, who do we love? How do we love? Why do we love? And how did he love? Or how does he love? And when we get to the end of this, you're going to have a great picture of what that looks like to be loved, the way he loves us, and the way we can love others. Okay, so who do we love? Anyone and everyone. That's an easy one. We know that one. And, and he said in his word, they tried to trick him in Matthew 22, 36 through 40. He says, teacher, which commandment in God's law is the most important? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list. But there's a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. And in some translations, it says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And it said, these two commandments are pegs. Everything in God's law and prophets hang from them. And, and they said, well, who's our neighbor? And, and just like Pastor Bill said on Sunday, he started talking about the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan was a man who came along uh, the side of the road and, and religious leaders and people that you thought would be like the pillars of society. There was a man laying on the side of the road hurt, and, and they just walked past him. They just looked, they looked past him. They didn't see him, not because he wasn't there, but because they looked past him. That's the idea I want you to hear tonight. They looked past him. They didn't see him. Then the Samaritan came, and Pastor Bill pointed out on Sunday, you know, we always assume that he was a rich man who had lots of stuff. But it just says in, his, in the Word that he did what was necessary at the time to take care of the needs. It, it doesn't say that he was a wealthy man who had plenty left over. That It just explains to us that this is what he did. He gave out of what he had. He had the means available to take care of it. And that made him a neighbor to the man on the side of the road. That made him available to the man on the side of the road. So the definition of neighbor is anyone who needs what you have. So that could be anyone and everyone. The people that you come in contact with, when they need what you have, and we're going to explain what that is, they're your neighbor. They're the others. They're the people that you, that you get to reach out to. And then uh, the next part is how do we love? Well, like Jesus. Again, another easy one. When he came and Jesus had the opportunity to talk with people, it was always kind. It was always tender. It was always loving. And, and he, would, he would come and he would sit down with them. 
and he would see them and he would look at them and he would love them. He never said, why are you doing what you're doing? You're silly. Why? You know, that was a horrible mistake you made. When you get that fixed, come see me. You know, that was never his attitude. It was always soft when he was talking to the lost. Now, when he talked to the Pharisees, that's a different story, so don't come argue with me about that. I'm not talking about them. You know, because they were misrepresenting who he was. And that's who he got mad with, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people who were just religious and not loving because that's who he is. But that was the, that was the relationship he had with people. And he went to where they were, and, and he sat down with them, and he ate with them, and he talked with them, and he enjoyed them, and he saw them, and he experienced their life, and, and, and he spoke truth to them. So when he, when he spoke to people, he saw them. He didn't look at their past. He didn't look through them. He knew what he had and who he was was valuable to their life. He knew that what he carried and who he was would change their life. He knew what he was and what he carried would fill the void in their life. It would change their life forever. And they would never be the same because of the encounter they had with Jesus. He, he knew the value of what he had. Now, remember, before we talked about who's your neighbor, anybody who needs what you have. See where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> I'm not digging in your pocketbooks tonight. I am digging at your hearts. I'm showing you. God's going to show you the lost in this message. And so when he, when he looked at them, he knew that he had something. And, and this was something that would enable them to live. Because without Jesus, when you're doing this all on your own, you're surviving. And everybody on earth deserves a chance to live and not an opportunity to survive. I teach seventh grade. You all know that. And every day is full of different opportunities. There are great benefits, and then there are days that aren't great benefits. And, um, <laughs> but it's not because you have to put up with kids who aren't doing right. It's because you have to put up with kids and look in their eyes and, and see that they've already given up. To see that there's no hope in their eyes. And to know that they don't see anything of value in them. And they know that no one sees value in them. And, and this week was one of those weeks where I got to have one of those days. <laughs> and, you know, you, you, you know, you get to tell them stuff like, you're valuable, you're awesome, you're wonderful, you deserve this, you're worth something. And you have to stop right there. Everyone deserves the right to live, to have a life, to not feel like there's no hope. Everyone deserves that. It, people without Jesus are surviving. From day to day, they're not living. There's not a breath of life on the inside of them that helps them get through their day. So when Jesus came to them, he saw who they were. He looked at them. He saw them. But not only did he see them, he knew he was going to bring life to them. He knew that what he had would give them life. Now remember, your neighbor is, 
anyone who needs what you have. They're surrounding you. The second thing that he did is he forgot what he knew. Now, he knew everything, but he didn't allow what he knew about them to change the way he saw them. So he loved what he saw, and he forgot what he knew. When he talked to people, he, he, he looked into what they could be. He never said, yeah, but your sin is way bigger, and your whole life is going to have to be different. He looked in, and he saw their heart, and he saw what they could be. He saw what they were created to be. He saw their life, and he spoke to it. He said, this is what you need. This is who you are. This is what you can be, because he spoke truth to them. Jesus didn't say, he didn't pat him on the back, patronize him. He didn't do any of those things. He, when, when you look at the stories in the Bible, he spoke truth. This is what you're doing. This is who you are. But this is what you can be. He didn't leave him in that place of circling in, in sin and unforgiveness. He said, this is, this, yes, yes, this is who you are. But because he loved them, but because he saw them, they could receive it with love. Because there wasn't judgment, there wasn't, like, your decisions have made you be a horrible person, and now you're just a horrible person. There wasn't any of that. But it was truth. It says, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And, and I think some of that has to do with ourselves. Because as we look at ourselves, a lot of times, if we can make an excuse for our actions, then it doesn't really apply to us. That's not really, you know, I, here's why I did it, and, you know, this is, this is where I'm coming from, and, and we can make lots of excuses, but until we receive truth, we can't open the door to fix that. Until we hear truth about ourselves, and, and the Holy Spirit comes, and it tells us truth, and, and it speaks truth, I mean, we know that, and it speaks truth to us, and when, and when the Holy Spirit comes and speaks truth to us, does it feel like hammering on, over your head? No, it feels like love. Because he loves us. And he wants us to be in a place where all those things that we hide and, and protect ourselves from and, and keep people at distance and all those kind of things that make us look good. All those things that keep us in prison. We just keep people away because we won't hear truth. But he came and he spoke truth directly into their lives. And they received it. And they received life. So we have to be open to receive life and to receive truth. Why? Because he loves us. See, once we understand the love of God, once we understand the, the fullness of the love of God, once we have that revelation on the inside of us, we can't help but tell other people. I mean, it's just like, blah, 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 blah. you know, it's just bubbling out everywhere because that's, that's all you know. I mean, you're just like, guess what? guess what happened to me, you know, and, 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 and you just become like this little bubbling source of light and love for Jesus because you understand how much he loves you. And I think a lot of times we get caught up on the sin side of it. Like, oh, it's covering my sin when, when yes, awesome. Yay. Praise God. It covers my sin. But if we can get past the covering of the sin part and realize the love part that's what sets us free that's what turns us into little 
bubbling brooks of happiness and joy and love that just bubble over on everybody else because that's what that's that's where it comes from is the love now we can be set free from sin we can be have our sins covered but that still keeps us in a relationship that says i owe you something for my sin you know please don't tell anybody about my sin it's a sin consciousness relationship a love consciousness relationship says look what he did for me he loves me he loves me for who i am he loves me just because I'm me. He sees those things on the inside of me, and he's cheering for me. See, when you understand the depth of his love for you, when you understand that, that puts you in a place of, of happy, of satisfaction, of contentment, all those things that you're seeking for, because that's what he came for, to fill that void that's in everybody's life. Now, in the Bible, there are lots of examples um, about oh, why do we love. Okay, let me read this scripture to you. 1 John 4, 9. Because God is love. So, you can't know him if you don't love him. Right, if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once not, not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done in our relationship with God. And then we skip down to seven, 17, or 19. It says, we though, are going, we, though, are going to love. Love and be loved. For we were loved, now we love. But he loved us first. The commandment we have from Christ is blunt. Love God. Loving God includes people. You've got to love. Or I'm sorry, you've got, yeah, you've got to love both. Let me read that again. I did a horrible job of butchering that one. <laughs> First John 4, 21. Try it again. Take two. The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. And you've got to have a revelation of his love for you. And, you know, the reason we do it is because people are void of the saving grace of God. That, that's like a switch that gets turned on that you don't know what to do with yourself after it does. I mean, you're different. You're different. Think about the day that you got saved. You're different. There's nothing. You can't go back because he commanded us to. Because he loved us, 419, is that we are, we're, we're supposed to be conduits that just takes the love from heaven and shoes it out to other people. Now, there's examples of how God loved or who God loved in the Bible. God, God loved children. We'll start with the babies. And, you know, the disciples were like, what are you doing with those babies? Get them out of here. They don't even know anything yet. And he was like, why are you getting rid of the babies? They're your examples. Look at how easily they love. Look how easily they receive love. Look how, e you know, you have to be as simple as this child to receive because the things that God asks you to do, the things that God puts in front of you, the people that God asks you to talk to, none of that's going to make sense. Not to your natural mind. But when you set yourself to listen and to hear and to see, 
it'll make sense. Because there are people all around you, your neighbors, that need what you have. You have something on the inside of you. If you're saved tonight, you have something on the inside of you that the people around you need. Your neighbors. Anybody that is void of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is lost. Whether they're rich or poor or young or old or whatever color they might be, whatever race they might be, whatever gender they might be, they're lost. And, and, and you know, we, we get hung up on sin. Oh, you're a, you're a bad sinner. You really need Jesus. No. It, there, you know, oh, you're, well, you're kind of a good person. I don't know if I should ask you about you. No. Everybody that's void of the saving grace of Jesus Christ is lost. We can't stereotype it. We can't say, you're obviously down and out. You must eat Jesus. <laughs> you know, you're, you know, we can't, we can't do that. There, there are everybody around us. If you don't know they're saved, then we should be asking them, do you know Jesus? Let me introduce you to the relationship that changed my life. Because that's what they need. And then uh, the two thieves on the cross, if you remember. And these are, just, these are just some of the examples of how awesome Jesus was when he was here. You know, there were two men on the cross, and they both had deserved what they got, what they were getting. They both did. And one of them looked and said, if you're really the Christ, save yourself and us. He was just interested in saving his life. But the other one said, if you're the Christ, remember me. I believe that's who you are. I believe you're the Son of God. And he said, tonight you will be with me. This day you will be with me in paradise. He was interested in who Jesus was. He realized he needed who he was. It wasn't about saving his life. He said, I deserve this. You, there, there's no reason for you to be here. I know I deserve this. I've done bad things. And he didn't look at him and say, yeah, you're right. You're a horrible human being. You should die. He said, you're right. I am who you think I am. And I will do what I said I would do. And, you'll, and, and you get to have this eternal gift too. He never, he never looked at the sin. He wasn't distracted by the sin he didn't see what other people saw he looked directly at who they were and who they could be and we often get distracted by what we see we often get distracted by the sin we often make judgments based on who we think they are and it changes our heart. It changes the way we talk to them. It changes the way we expect them to respond. Good, bad, or ugly. Good people. We, why, do, why would I talk to them about Jesus? <laughs> they're a really good person. Mm-hmm. But they're lost. The harvest is out there. It's everywhere. And we have to see it. The next one was the woman caught in the midst of adultery. God never, Jesus never condemned him. 
never condemned her, never said, well, law says I should stone you. It was who, it was who she was that he saw. And then the, uh, the last one, before I tell you about me, is the woman at the well. And the woman at the well, it's kind of fun when you get to hear their own testimony, their own thing. So tonight we're going to let her speak for herself. I'm a woman of no distinction, of little importance. I'm a woman of no reputation, save that which is bad. You whisper as I pass by and cast your judgmental glances. But you don't take the time to look at me or get to know me. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And otherwise, what is the point of doing either one of them in the first place? I want to be known. I want someone to look me in my face and see more than just two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and two ears. But to see all of me and all that I could be, all of my hopes, loves, fears, that's too much to hope for, to wish for, to pray for. So I don't. Not anymore. Now I keep it to myself. And by that, I mean the pain. The pain that keeps me in my own private jail. The pain that has brought me here at midday to this well. To ask of a drink is no big deal. But to ask it of me? A woman unclean? Ashamed, used and abused, outcast of failure, a disappointment, a sinner. No drink passing from these hands to your lips could ever be refreshing, only condemning. And as I'm sure you condemn me now, but you don't. You are a man of no distinction, but of the utmost importance. A man of, of little reputation, at least so far. You whisper to me and tell me to my face what all those glances have been about. You take the time to look at me, but you don't need to get to know me. To be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And you know me. You actually know me. All of me. Everything about me. All the, every thought inside. Every hair on the top of my head. Every hurt stored up. Every hope. Every dread. All of my past and future. You know all that I am and could be. You tell me everything. That which is spoken from another would certainly bring hate and condemnation. Coming from you, it brings love, mercy, grace, hope, salvation. I have heard of one who was to come to save a wretch like me. And now here in my presence, you say, I am he. To be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And I just met you, but I love you. 
I don't know you, but I want to get to. This is, I must run back to town. This is way too much just for me. There are others, brothers, sisters, lovers, haters, the good and the bad, the sinners and the saints, who, who need to see what you've shown me, to hear what you've told me, who needs to taste what you gave me, and to feel how you forgave me. To be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. They all need it. We all do. We need it for our own. The typical thing that we think about when we think about a sinner, someone who's set on the side of the road, someone who doesn't know Jesus. And, and um, I just felt to share this afterwards. When I was uh, four, I, I was at a church service, and I remember they gave the altar call. And I don't remember. Like, I'm not one of those people who just sits and, and knows, th- like, remembers stuff. I'm not very sentimental-ish. But there are, <laughs> there, are, there are a few stories in my life that it's like watching a movie. They're so vivid. And um, when I was four, I remember sitting in a church service, and I was sitting beside my mom, and I looked over, and it was at the altar call time, and I said, I have to, I have to go to the altar. I have to. I need that. I need what they're talking about. I'm, I'm without Jesus. I'm without his love. And I, I was four. I haven't, you don't sin much when you're four. Not for realsies. In the video, it says the sinners and the saints, the good and the bad. It's everybody. It's every. I was, I was four, and I knew I was void of the love of Jesus. I knew that there was something missing in my life. I knew that there was only one thing that would make that complete, and that was allowing Him into my heart and taking control of my life. And I've been marked for Him ever since. I mean, even when I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, I knew where He was. I knew how to get home. It, it takes over your life. It makes you different. It fills you with something. It takes that place that nothing else can. They tell you that, you know, that, 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 you, that you can go and, 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 you know, you can do drugs and you can do alcohol or you can find a relationship that will work and, and, and all those things come and they want to fill the void. And that's where we see people trying to fill that void. That's where they are, trying to make that place, that empty spot in their life, be something. Trying to make it whole, trying to make it complete, trying to make it filled with anything that feels right. But everyone, when they come face to face and they have that moment where they get to know that there is nothing in their life that's going to make it better but the love of Jesus... That's what they need from you. To be willing to say, I see you. I see what God sees in you. He's not here anymore. He can't come and have those conversations. It has to be you. And I implore you tonight 
to let that love that's on the inside of you, be honest with yourself enough to let those walls be broken down. Be honest with yourself enough to say, this is what I need. I need God to fill those places so that you can become that well that just bubbles up and overflows the love of God to everybody around you. That's your job. That's why we're here to see people. It's not just the people on the side of the road, but they're there. It's not just the four-year-olds in Super Church or in K for J, but they're there. We get to tell them about the thing that changed our life. The thing that made us different. The thing that has given us the ability to live and not survive. I remember it. And think about it. Think about the day you were saved. Think about that moment that you got to stand and just know that God loved you. And that there was nothing that you've done and there's nothing that you're going to do that can separate you from his love. When you say yes. When you say yes. And once you possess it, It's your job to give it away. It's not going to run out. There's not going to be not enough for you. There's not going to be a time when he leaves you because you gave it to somebody else. It just increases the love that you have in your heart for him. Because you get to see that in somebody else. That's why I said this is a year of opportunity for you to see God great in your world. But just just like we said with the tithing, you might have to do it scared. What? What? You want me to what? I want to take just a second. I don't know everybody in here. But God knows you. God loves you. God sees you. He knows every single thing you've done and sees you still the same. He sees your life with purpose. He sees your life with potential. He sees your life as fulfilled. He sees you being who he created you to be. And the only requirement for you is to say, yes, Lord, I receive you. In just a second, when we stand up, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive him if you never have. Or if at one point in your life you said, yes, I I know that love. I knew that love. I, I felt that love, and I haven't felt it. I just want to pray with you tonight to help you come back to that place. And then at the end, we're going to pray that you see. That you see what God sees. So if you'd stand with me tonight. If you want to close your eyes. Lord, I pray for boldness. I pray for boldness, Lord. For anyone that's void of you. That they have an opportunity to meet you tonight. If you've never asked the Lord into your heart. If you've never made him the Lord of your life. Just come up here with me now real fast. Come and pray with me. Come and let, come and let God be 
the center of your world. Have that moment like I had it for that says, this is the difference. This is what I wanted. This is, this is it. I found it. I found the thing that makes me complete. I know what it is now. It's Jesus. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.